0: Hi, my name is Rainy May, and welcome to Decoding the Man podcast. Here at Decoding the Man, we have real conversations with real men and people in their lives. Whether we're talking about relationships, family life, masculinity, vulnerability, or mental health, we're having deeper conversations in a safe space. So buckle up, get comfortable, get a coffee, and listen in whether you're driving or sitting on the couch today, get inspired, reflect, and have real conversations in your own life. At Decoding the Man, we're all about having a little bit of fun and getting a little bit deeper. The views expressed by the individuals in this podcast are solely the opinions and experiences of the guests of Decoding the Man. Hi, my name is Randy May and welcome to the Decoding the Man podcast. And today we are with Movember. And we have a really special guest. He is all the way from Australia. His name is Dr. Zach Seidler, and he's going to give us a little bit of insight about mental health, men's mental health specifically, and some things that we can learn about the research that's going on right now. And he's specifically also going to give us a little bit of insight to uh, Movember's conversations um, that he's hosting and facilitating. So thank you so much, Dr. Zach Seidler. We are so happy to have you, and thank you for, I I think we're your first call of the day. (laughs)
1: Wow, fresh. Nice to meet you, Randy.
0: Nice to meet you too. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so I'd like to know a little bit more before we get into, you know, what you do with Movember, but what's inspired you to stay connected and get involved with Movember personally?
1: Mm. So I've been, I'm a clinical psychologist and a researcher, um, and that's the past several years I've been focused on men's mental health and suicide prevention. That kind of started um, during my undergrad course when I realized that no one was talking about gender. Um, right. And I was like, wait a second, there's a there's a discrepancy here, especially in the suicide rates. Um, right. I was also studying, I'm, the, I'm still the only straight white male to have graduated with a gender studies major from my university because apparently wow. men don't do this. Um, and I was always intrigued you know, the way that feminism spoke about masculinity and the way that it was conceptualized as this really foreign concept um, that is fundamentally harmful. Uh, It was always really interesting to me that uh, it seemed really reductive. um, It seemed really problematic. And I was like, I think that there must be something going on here that we can talk to men about, that we can expand on to try to get a better sense of why men behave the way that they do. Right. Why they why they grow up you know often to to be destructive and to be harmful to themselves and to others um, and how we can intervene early because that's not what human beings were put on this earth to do um, and so why are they being socialized in this way so I got interested in that very early on read a lot of, of stuff in that space and then got into um, a PhD where I where I pretty much started to go why don't men seek help that was my first research question. Um, and then I realized that they do and that they just don't actually get what they need often. Um, and so that took me down a whole, whole different path around where is the system, um, catering for men or not, and how can we adapt it rather than telling them that they need to change.
0: Right. So it sounds like you kind of started with a really important question and then you started to discover what the gap
1: was. Exactly. Yeah. It was very much a, um, Thankfully, follow follow um, my nose and then follow the literature. Just around, wait a second. What is this idea around? Um, it's it's like the status quo. It's just a stereotype that is thrown right. around. And everyone just follows, and then yeah. it becomes a, a truth. And I was like, this is actually harming men, telling them. You know, there's this there's this famous German quote that I always um, put at the start of all my presentations by Angst and Ernst in 1990 that said women seek help and men die and i was wow. like "That is so morose and inescapable and and hopeless really right. uh, and so i just started to go it, it cannot be that way for all of us we cannot be a homogenous group and there must be a, a road to to change this
0: tell me a little bit more i mean that's a really powerful quote um tell me a little bit more about the gap that you discovered when you start to research for men's mental health?
1: So what I started to find is that while the prevalence rates for depression specifically are like three times higher in women, so they're much more likely to, to experience depression, they're also much more likely to attempt suicide, five to six times more likely than men. Men are much more likely to die by suicide. It's about three to four times more than than women. And I started to go, wait a second, what's going on here? You then right. look at the, at the help seeking rates and women are you know, two to three times more likely to seek help when they're suffering from a mental health issue than men are. And so I started to, to delve into, wait a second, there seems to be this, it's called the gender paradox, which is that while women seem to have more illness, men seem to die earlier. And so it's, right. it's what's going on here. And so uh, when I started to look at service utility and the way that services were being, um, viewed and this is in australia and in canada because i did a lot of work and i still do at ubc um, with my friends over there and what i found was that men who do access help are less satisfied are not motivated they drop out earlier they have fewer sessions right and they drop out they don't come back so you've you've got a really short window of opportunity yeah and if you do not and, and this is the whole the, what i 've always said, and it 's my theory is that the system has not been made with men in mind. Right. The idea is is that Freud and Jung back in the day ages ago, my um, colleagues they, um, they created psychotherapy as a means to um, limit women really as a means to get into women 's heads around hysteria and all of this misogynistic crap which we don 't believe in anymore. But it was a way to avoid their own issues because they had plenty of issues, I can assure you of that. And so um, I think that the men who created this field um, created a system that eventually has become really feminized over time. It's become an emotionally communicative, really vulnerable space, um, which men do not feel comfortable in often. Um, and so, suggesting though that men have nothing to say, that men have no feelings to share, don't understand their emotions is crap. It's not true. It's just a means of getting to that point where you can provide a space that is safe, that is respectful, and that understands their masculinity rather than expect something of them.
0: No, I really appreciate you explaining that because um, what makes what, like, the next question that comes to mind really from listening to what you just said is. How do, how do you work towards redefining male masculinity in a healthy way?
1: Mm. So to start with, I I call it masculinities, um, mutual, plural, coalescing, contradictory, like the idea that a a dad is going to go to the bar and have a drink with his carpenter mates and then come home and he's going to watch a Disney movie with his daughter and cry with her. These things can coexist. The idea that you need to be one thing all the time, moment by moment, it's constantly shifting. So what I always say is that I'm moving towards people, people talk about positive masculinity or healthy masculinity. I just talk about flexible masculinity. There's nothing about stoicism or strength or power or self-reliance that are fundamentally harmful. It's just when they're applied rigidly, that's when it becomes really problematic. You cannot go into every situation with the same set of rules. It's not going to help you. And so what I always tell men is like, this is not the way towards self-betterment. You're here to try to improve yourself. Uh, You know, men are naturally constantly trying to achieve, but yet you're putting up all these roadblocks in the way which go, I'm going to only do it on my own. I'm going to only keep everything to myself. That is not adaptive. That's not beneficial for you. So give it up and try something new.
0: Yeah. Talking, you know, saying that it's this idea of being rigid. Um, how do you break? How does someone work and how does a man work on build, kind of breaking down those walls of that uh, rigid narrative?
1: Mm. Well, you would know, like the fundamentals of therapy, full stop Are to go where are you being rigid and how can we open that up? Because if if you're rigid, then you're extremely anxious, then that's where OCD comes from, that's where depression comes from. It's all around, I am this person, this is how things are, this is how I will be. And so it limits you completely. And so what I always do with these guys is I go, why do you think you have to be this way? How can things be different? And let's do some insightful reflection on why you might be behaving in the way that you are, because they often, like, I I don't know how many men you know who have thought about their masculinity. You know, I don't know many, I hang around with extremely woke dudes and we still don't have that type of dialogue necessarily. We talk about domestic violence and we talk about mental health as things that men go through, but breaking down masculinity and and looking at it um, from a bird's eye view uh, to go, where did this come from and why am I acting this way, has always been the most intriguing thing for me to do. I typically have female friends mostly because they're the ones that question this stuff, because that's, that's what women have done since the 60s and 70s. They go, I have no power. Why is that? And what can I do about this to understand where I come from? Men are having a gender reckoning now. It's taken a while but they're having to realize that Harvey Weinstein is an asshole and I don't want to be like that. So what do I have to do differently to not end up there? How have I been taught to behave and hopefully society and men themselves, like me as a male friend of my other male friends, are going to call out other guys to go, not, I'm going to shame you for the way that you behave, but I'm going to make you question your, your natural instincts around this stuff and go, this isn't, all there is, there's more to life than than the way that you think that you should behave. And so let's start to think about that.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important that you're talking about and encouraging men, whether it's in your circle or outside of your personal circle, to really think about like, why do I do what I do? Um, and to kind of dig deeper and start peeling back the layers um, so that they can get to the core of like who they are. They're not this job that they do. They're not this experience, but they're so much more. They're, multifaceted. And like you said, masculinity is not singular, you know. um,
1: The core is not a beautiful place always either. And that's what I always try to stress to them. You're not going to peel away the layers and find this strawberry in the middle. That's sweet and lovely. It's (laughs) like, it could be, it could be painful, you know, especially if you've got a dad who is abusive or violent or you've got um, role models who suck, You know, this, the thing that we're trying to work towards is positive male role models. There aren't enough of them. You know, if anything, Justin Trudeau in in Canada is one of very few men who seem to have any understanding of their masculinity in the public space. Um, and so men don't have, they've got Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, all of these guys who just seem to go be strong all the time, tell everyone they're stupid and you'll be fine. Hold on to power for dear life. Um, but what we need to show them is that holding on to that power is actually the least powerful thing you can do. It's really painful. It's time-consuming. And wow. it eventually will harm you. And that's why we end up with with men dying, you know, four to six years younger than women.
0: Male role models. <laughs> um, it's a tough time. <laughs> That right now, (laughs) I think it's fair to say, and I appreciate you saying that. um, How can we encourage men to be better role models for each other, but you know, the generations that are coming after them? Mm. Um, And I think that leads us to kind of getting to know a little bit more about your relationship with Movember conversations. For sure. Yeah, if you could tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So when I got I got started at Movember about a year ago, but I've had a relationship. Um, with them for a couple of years now because if you want to make waves in this space um, and I was I was a, a bit of a single entity um, I realized I wanted to join the largest men's health charity in the world and I get to talk to Canadians at 7am <laughs> um, and so, <laughs>
0: like,
1: <"Hey." laughs> and so um, I, I realized that there was there was a lot of scope here and there's we've got a huge audience thankfully um, because the moustache is the best conversation starter you can possibly have. And so we started to realise um, that lots of men really want to have conversations with each other. They want to have meaningful conversations, but they say that they don't have the words. They feel awkward if there's stubbornness. There's all of these barriers that come up um, that feel overly problematic and difficult to um, you know, navigate, I guess, for many of them. And so what we what we came up with is this online tool um, called Movember Conversations, which is literally an interactive um, exchange between two guys going through various situations, whether it be loneliness and isolation, um, or they're struggling with their finances or unemployment. It's all of these risk factors for mental health and suicide in men. And we actually have, if you go to the website, you can see a, a very clear text exchange between these two guys. And so they're talking to each other and he's going, oh, I'm having such a shit time. And the other guy goes, "You know, what's up, blah, blah, blah. And there's just a bit of banter at the start. And then you get later on and it gives you um, a choice about how to respond. So it gets you to that point where you're you're on the precipice of having a really meaningful conversation with this guy. And so many men will just go, let's talk about football. They right. will naturally just go, wait, here's the easy way out. We're going to we're gonna do this. Or there's actually, we can just talk about our wives. We can talk about anything um, right. that doesn't involve that deep emotion, emotional material. Um, and what this tool kind of shows you is that if you choose one of these options, you're not going to be bombarded with a flood of emotion from guys. It's not how it necessarily works, but you're going to pry open the door and you can come back later. And so... Right. What we try to show is that uh, we have the words for you, if you might not have them, and um, if you go and you check out the tool at movember.conversations.com, you you can really find out um, that there is a way to have these conversations using a model called Alec, who I like to think of Alec Baldwin just sitting on my shoulder talking to me. And it really just breaks down as ask, listen, encourage action, and check in. Those are the four Tips and asking means being observational. It doesn't mean being like, are you okay? Because that's not the most useful question sometimes. It's like, hey man, I noticed that you haven't been, you know, responding to my messages recently. It's observing something he does, and then that's gonna get get you a specific in, in a way. Listening doesn't mean just saying mm all the time, like me, the therapist, it means um, actually, you know, being more than a fly on the wall and, and, and showing them that you're, you're being empathetic to their needs. And then encouraging action um, is really focused on getting them to the point where you can create goals with them through collaboration and, and strength-based processing, I guess, to go, wait a second, there is something we can do here. I can help you as, as your friend and we can get through this. And then checking in, I always say that I'm, I'm consistent and relentless as a friend. <laughs> Um, my friend, probably hate me for it, but at least I'm present. And um, what I always say is that when you're checking in with someone, don't say, yeah, man, I'll speak to you soon. You say, I'll speak to you at five o'clock on Wednesday, right? That's gonna work. And then they know, even if they're not happy about it, you're going to rock up, you're going to be there. And there's going to be a, a, a time and a place for you to have that um, space, I guess, to, to connect with one another. Long yeah. spiel.
0: No, it's not a long spiel, it's an important spiel uh, to let people know that, you know, that last take action, you know, it's a commitment. So it's a commitment for you and that person to show up uh, Mm and to be present and really explore, you know, what's actually going on and giving somebody an opportunity and saying like, Hey, I'm going to hold space for you at this time.
1: That's good friendship.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like that's the key to, for men staying connected.
1: Mm. And so what, what, what we know over time is that men actually lose friends. So as they age, women, women gain friends as they age. As men age, they lose friends. And so you end up with you know, 35 to 50-year-old men who are just new dads ending up having one, maybe two close friends at best. And then as they age and they get into their 60s, 70s and 80s, there's no social connection. There's just isolation and loneliness. And it, it drops off as a priority for some reason. And we need to fight against that. And that means having conversations that are robust, that are built on, you know, meaningful relationships that are built on what are we going to actually try to find out about each other here rather than because those those hobbies might hold for a while. But the second you stop rock climbing or the second you stop being able to play rugby, um, there needs to be an underpinning, you know, connection there. And that's what sharing and reciprocity do
0: yeah well COVID has kind of stopped things like that like there's probably not as much rock climbing and there's probably not as much rugby or any sport that's like a mm. team sport and mm. some kind of people are put into that isolation um so because of that you know i'm kind of curious if you can give some men some tips about like what are signs of unhealthy coping strategies and what are some signs of potentially healthy coping mechanisms
1: mm. Well, unhealthy are going to be all the the typical things. Um, Everyone should focus on their diet, their sleep, their exercise. Um, Exercise has gone either one way or the other. Lots of people have just been going crazy and become runners out of nowhere and broken every bone in their body because it's like my friend who's a physiotherapist has been like, why do these people think that they should suddenly run marathons? And I'm like, they just, they do what they need to do. And so, um, The idea around coping, you know, alcohol dependence has become a massive thing Um, in Australia in the past couple months. There have been people who said that they're drunk. It's like 12% of the population have said that they're drunk every day in the past three months. Um, Coping means finding, um, you know, obviously healthy behaviors that are going to provide long-term gains rather than a a short-term quick fix. Anything that, presents itself as a short-term magic bullet um, is is not going to help you in the long term. And that means, you know, diet-wise as well, e- eating shit feels good for five minutes and then, and then it immediately starts to, to to feel pretty bad. And so I think that, that men should realise that the long-term gains around coping come from speaking with the people that they love, having a laugh, um, you know, exercising regularly but doing something that they want to do. It's finding motivation um, to get up in the morning, really. Um, And I think that the really great thing is that lots of men um, who are in really crap jobs previously um, and who are not really present as fathers, for instance, are starting to go, wait a second, there's more to life. And so I'm hoping that there's going to be a really great silver lining here um, for lots of guys to go again, as we said at the start, this isn't how things need to be. And just because I was stuck in that structure, I can now have a mild existential crisis that is going to lead to, to self betterment and to adaptation. Um, so I'm waiting for that.
0: If you, could, if you had two things you'd like to tell men that's connected to their mental health and well being, what message would that be? So if you had two messages to give men. Wow. If you have three, it's okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what I can come up with. Um, Well, the first would be around reluctance and denial. Um, They're really natural. (laughs) They are the most common ways of coping and approaching your own difficulties because they make sense because you don't want to burden others. You don't want to admit necessarily that something's wrong because then that leads to intervention and then other people get hurt and then it costs a lot of money. Um, But I can assure everyone, having been through this hundreds of times now with plenty of clients who come in and they say they don't want to do this, they don't want to do that. What happens is that if you invest early, if you put in the time and the work and question yourself and push yourself and start to understand as I've said, why you are behaving in the way that you are, and how things can be different, you get a roadmap towards. Um, it's, I wouldn't go as far as enlightenment, but there is there is a sense of there is a sense of enrichment um, that comes from really pushing through that initial pain towards understanding yourself, and so I would always stress that that denial and that that reluctance. Um, to work hard at this stuff because you think that, you know, brushing it under the carpet is going to be easier, that will cause much more pain in the long term for you and your family. And so I, I always say that it's, you know, it's it's an early investment and it might take a little bit of teething at the start, um, but it will pay dividends for years to come. So. Um, that is what masculinity is all about it's that's bravery that's courage that's putting in the work um, and realizing that that things can change so that that would be my first um, the second would be around connection and and realizing and questioning who are the friends that I have right now, and what is this friendship based on um, Important where friendship. did it start and where can it go um and so what I always say is. There has to be a way for you to build something with someone um, that is based not merely on shared experiences, but is based on shared values and shared, you know, love of life and shared ideas around your capacity for change. So find someone who pushes you, find someone who questions you. Um, don't shy away from those relationships and and hold on to them for dear life, because if anything. COVID-19 has has showed that it's those meaningful, you know, really deep connections that help us thrive.
0: No, thank you for those two messages. I think they're very important and I really hope people take them to heart. Um, And so we're gonna wrap up, but I have two questions to wrap up. So if you can give people three reasons why they should become a part of Movember, what would they be?
1: Oh well to, to follow up with the second part of my last yeah. question you get a community um you get connection amongst men who are similar minded um so that's great fun i would always suggest that you get events you get all of this um type of meaningful interaction that is pretty hard to come by as, as guys i've got so many male clients who are like where do i go and meet men where, how do I, is there a meetup? What do I do? It's like women have all of these hobbies where they can just drop in and suddenly they're best friends and guys are like everyone's standoffish. So November is a great way of of fighting against that. Um, we're extremely inclusive and, and pretty happy-go-lucky. Um, the second reason would be, it feels damn good. Not the mustache growing itself because <laughs> that could be itchy, but um, Raising money um, and knowing that it's going to a place where we we believe that we are really you know helping change the face of men's health. Um, yeah. We are fundamentally each day coming in. I'm surrounded by 200 staff across the world, um, incredible people who put in the hard yards to make sure that we you know actually achieve our goals, which are you know to really help men live longer, happier, healthier lives. So that gets me up in the morning and I know that it gets all of the Mobros and Mo Sisters up in the morning as well, Um, so that's always fun. And then the third would be, you look like an idiot with a moustache, so why would you not do it? It's just (laughs) the best, it's a conversation starter. I get to walk around and people are like, why are you Pablo Escobar? And I'm like, (laughs) mate, just deal with it, that's just how it is today. And, And it always, every cafe I go to, you know whether or not I'm wearing a movember t-shirt I get I always get to have an awesome conversation with someone um, I happen to be an extremely hairy dude and so lots of people apparently get jealous even though when I was a kid I got bullied for it so it all it all turns around for everyone you just need to you need to embrace it and the mustache is a um is a beautiful conversation starter and always something fun to have at a party I reckon so um, grow a mo and save a bro
0: I like it I like it a lot. <laughs> my last question is, if you could sum up in one sentence, why do you mow?
1: Why do I mow? I, I mow to save bros, straight up. That's, that's what I do. I, this means everything to me. From um, my friends and my family, it's, um, I don't want to see men suffer unnecessarily. And um, so that's why I'm a part of this and that's why everyone should be.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Zach. We really appreciate you giving all of your insightful um, well, insights, conversation, tips, um, and all about all the things that you're doing for November. So thank you so much for waking up early and being with
1: us. No problem, Randy. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Decoding the Man. If you have any questions, suggestions, or a topic that stood out to you or you're seeking support, please email us at decodingtheman at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at decodingtheman. We'd like to thank Carissa McLeod, our social media and audio producer, Brian Sudema, our executive producer, and our theme song, Darling, is brought to you by David Porges.